episode number 35 of Throwdown Thursday. I am the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Mistress of Merlot, everyone's favorite Lush, and I am the crazy broad that has Patrice Bergeron's signature tattooed on my arm. I am Ashes Vaughn Nightmare, your host for today. I am joined by the adorable, my favorite giggler, Agent Nicole, the iron-born, wonderful lady sitting next to me. Yeah, you got burned right there, Patsy. Whatever. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going. Is it counter, counterclockwise? Yeah, no, counterclockwise. Counter, yeah, counterclockwise. I'm going counterclockwise. So. It's called the Coriolis effect in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> called ooh, ma- ma- ladies first. That's what it's called. It's called ladies, ladies first. first. <laughs> Anyways, that was some awesome radio silence we got there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay, I'm hosting again. Um, we are also joined, as always, by our fearless producer, the guy who makes us sound good and all around just really nice guy, Johnny Wolfenstein. I think I'm going to turn New Leaf. I'm going to be a bad guy. You're going to be a bad guy now? <laughs> yeah. He'll you turn. Gonna, are you going to have like a, a bad guy name or like a bad guy shtick? Um, I think I think mine is, is malleable enough. I think I think I can get by as a supervillain or a hero with that name. I yeah, but you got you to gotta add the monocle and the German accent. I have been known to wear a monocle and talk about subtext from time to time. So, there you go. Uh, is can it be faux leather? Is yes, that still badass? Yes. Okay, yeah. I'd yeah. do that. I'd rock that. All right, so let's you know maybe I'll spike my hair. I'll get a faux leather jacket and boots and spurs. Maybe is that badass? That is badass. Uh, it, it could be black hat. Yeah, black. Uh, I'm not a big hat guy. How else will everyone know you're a bad guy? Uh, buttless chaps. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, this show just took a turn. <laughs> because when I think buttless chaps, I think bad guy. <laughs> or really fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> Take your pick, you know. It all depends on what show you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> We're joined also, as always, per usual, by our other co-host. Uh, he is angry. He is white. He is nerdy. He's <laughs> <laughs> like that Weird Al song. <laughs> and then you got Snorty over there. <laughs> it's Patsy the Angry Nerd. Uh, shout out to things that are 35 units of measurement uh, old, just like the show and myself. Well, well you, you for like a couple more months. It doesn't matter. You know? You know, we're not going to hit episode 36 when I'm 36. So, you know, this is the only uh, coincidental number we got going on. So, you know, as opposed to Dynamo, who ages 52 times faster than a normal human, like his age in, you know, is is uh, coincidental with every single episode of Trick or Treat Radio. So good. Good for him. So it's like every every week is like his birthday. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Is that why he eats so much cake? Yes. He has candy all the time. (laughs) So before we get started talking about today's topic, I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank Patsy, the angry nerd, and Agent Nicole for allowing me the platform on this podcast to talk about things that I love. Uh, I was able to choose to today's topic, and I just wanted to thank them for allowing me to share things that I love with the rest of you guys. So thank you. You don't have to thank us. You don't have to thank me, but you're welcome. 
Um, and one of those things that I absolutely love is hockey. I'm a huge hockey fan. I eat, breathe, sleep hockey. If I was not so clumsy on skates, I would probably play ice hockey. I did play field hockey in high school. Um, I was exposed to hockey in middle school. I went to my first Worcester Ice Cats game. If anyone's from the New England area, if you probably remember the Ice Cats, um, they were replaced by the Sharks. And I believe the Sharks were replaced by the, the Railers. Railers. Yeah. So I've, I've yet to be to a Railers game. Um, so I, I plan on checking them out at some point. And always, always familiar with the Providence Bruins, who uh, is the farm team for the Boston Bruins. Um I love hockey. I I love regular hockey. I love playoff hockey even more. Uh, Even even more when when the Bruins are are playing. But I just, I love, there's something about the feel of playoff hockey that's just amazing. And I love Olympic hockey. And I think it's amazing. I think it's intense. I think it's just so full of pride. And the talent and athleticism and sportsmanship that's that's portrayed, it's just it's infectious, infectious, and I absolutely love it. So uh, today we are actually talking about a very, very, very famous uh, Olympic hockey team, the 1980 U.S. men's Olympic hockey team, um, coached by Herb Brooks. And the character we are talking about today is the portrayal of Herb Brooks by Kurt Russell in 2004's Miracle. So before we get things started, uh, I wanted to, you know, if some of you aren't familiar with what is you know what's so significant about this team why are there movies uh made about this team why is there a lot of you know uh excuse me acclaim surrounding this team um yesterday uh february 22nd was the 37th anniversary of the event which is known as the miracle on ice the miracle on ice refers to a medal round game during the men's ice hockey tournament at the 1980 winter olympics in lake placid new york played between the hosting united states and the defending gold medalists the soviet union the soviet union had won the gold medal in six of the seven previous winter olympic games and were the favorites to win once more in Lake Placid. The team consisted primarily of professional players with significant experience and in international play. By contrast, the United States team, led by head coach Herb Brooks, consisted exclusively of amateur players and was the youngest team in the tournament and in U.S. national team history. In the group stage, both the Soviet and U.S. teams were undefeated. The U.S. achieved several notable victories, including a 2-2 draw against Sweden and a 7-3 upset victory over second-place favorites Czechoslovakia. For the first game in the medal round, the United States were to face the Soviets, who were the favorites to win. 
finishing the first period tied at 2-2 two to two, and the Soviets leading 3-2 to two. following the second. The U.S. team scored two more goals to take their first lead during the third and final period, winning the game 4-3 to three in a major upset against the Cold War rivals. Following the game, the U.S. went on to clinch the gold medal by beating Finland in their final match of the tournament. Likewise, the Soviet Union took the silver medal by beating Sweden. This victory became one of the most iconic moments of the games and in U.S. sports. Equally well-known was the television call of the final seconds of the game by Al Michaels for ABC, which he famously declared in those final seconds, Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In 1999, Sports Illustrated named the Miracle on Ice the top sports moment of the 20th century. As part of its centennial celebration in 2008, the International Ice Hockey Federation, or IIHF, named the Miracle on Ice as the best international ice hockey story of the past hundred years. Now, to give you a little bit more backstory as to why this was so unbelievable and iconic, we need to first paint a picture of the U.S. at that time. We were involved in the Cold War. Morale was down. Unemployment was high. And there were rolling gas outages, which was actually portrayed in the film uh, Miracle. Um, the American public was just very down on its luck and people were just searching for something um so the fact that this ragtag team and i'm going to go into the team a little bit um the fact that this team was put together of uh, these you know ragtag kids uh the average age of the team was 21 um these young men were just able to captivate uh, the entire country and just stole everyone's hearts and just ultimately just made them believe in miracles again because that's exactly what this was it was a miracle it was showing that all of these kids these you know the, the, the hard work and aspirations and determination that these kids had just you know paid off and in these final you know especially in the you know, miracle on ice game, the game against against Russia. Uh, it was just it was just so amazing. So US head coach Herb Brooks had tryouts in Colorado Springs in the summer of nineteen seventy nine. Of the twenty players who eventually made the final Olympic roster, Buzz Schneider was the only one returning from the nineteen seventy six Olympic team. Nine players had played under Brooks at the University of Minnesota, which included Rob McClanahan, Mike Ramsey, and Phil Verchota, while four more were from Boston University, David Silk, Jack O'Callaghan, goalie Jim Craig, and team captain Mike Ruzioni. Boston University and Minnesota were perennial rivals in college hockey, and the hostility carried over from some of the players on the Olympic team for the first few months. But part of Brooks's selection process was a 300-question psychological test that would give him insight on how every player would react under stress. Anyone who refused to take the test would be flunked. Brooks had to select from 68 players who started the tryout. Like I said, the average age of the U.S. team was 21 years old, making it the youngest team in U.S. history uh, to play at the Olympics. It would be the youngest team in the Olympic tournament. But Brooks had selected carefully and knew the limits of every player. 
As forward John Harrington said, quote, he knew exactly where to quit. He'd push you right to the limit where you were ready to say, I've had it, I'm throwing it in, and then he'd back off. Brooks continued the organization by campaigning for the player's selection of Aruzioni as the captain, and Craig had been the goalie for him in the 1979 World Championship Tournament. Assistant coach Craig Patrick had also played with Brooks uh, on the 1967 U.S. national team. So he very carefully handpicked this team, spent countless hours doing research, calling coaches of you know these players to making sh- you know to make sure that he was putting together this um, not the most amazing players, but the right players, and it showed. Um, we'll talk more about Herb Brooks and Herb Brooks's portrayal um, by Kurt Russell in the movie uh, during our next segment. But I just, I fell in love with this team. Now, I was not alive in 1980. I was not born until 85. I believe it was uh, in the mid-90s. I think it was like... um, when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I was watching ESPN Classic and uh, I, I happened to catch the replay of, of this game and I just thought it was so cool and I wanted to learn more. And so I started reading up about it. There were some books you know, um, on it at the time. And then in 2004, when Disney you know, put out this movie, um, I, was just, I was just obsessed absolutely obsessed um i actually had the opportunity to meet mike ruzioni uh when i was in college and that was really cool uh i'll talk more about that later um but it was just it was just awesome so i feel like i'm rambling right now so i don't know patrick do you have anything you'd like to add yeah um you know when you talk about the the state of uh, the country at that point i mean there was you know growing tensions daily with uh with the Russians, you know, nuclear tests, things like that. And, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, there were, there were talks of, you know, the Soviets potentially boycotting the uh, Winter Olympics, which they ended up doing in uh, the summer. Like the Soviets, uh, everyone in the Soviet Union, which is, you know, for those of you young kids that aren't familiar with the, you know, the United, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics was, uh, basically the majority of of uh Europe and Asia at this point uh in in time now it's about 50 different countries <clears throat> you know that didn't they existed uh think about it sort of how like you know Massachusetts and Texas and Tennessee are their own states but they're part of the United States that's how all of these countries were in the Soviet Union and you know they were essentially, you know, the, you know, us as the United States and the Russians were essentially the two biggest, baddest kids on the block, which is why Rocky IV was such a huge success, because the Cold War was still going on at that point. Uh, the the Berlin Wall hadn't come down separating East and West Berlin, so you had two different, you know, Germanys. Like, there was a lot of uh, uh, strife going on, you know, hostage taking all the time. You know, it was it was a crazy place to live, and in... You know, as if there needed to be more, more, uh, uh, um, not controversy, but, uh, 
you know, more issues between the, the, the two countries. In 1972, the United States had suffered its first ever loss in Olympic basketball. And it was to the Russians where they thought they had had them beat. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're going to put two more seconds on the clock. And somehow uh, the Russians were able to win that game. Those silver medals for the United States are still sitting in a vault, you know, 45 years later, because it was one of the most, I would say probably the most controversial ending to an Olympic, uh, an Olympic game ever. Like the time had run out and they're like, nope, we're putting two seconds on. And there's a whole, a whole thing that happened, but we're not going to get into that. But if you're interested, look it up. It's ridiculous what happened at the end of that game, the last two minutes of that game. And, you know, this is prior to, you know, dream teams and, you know, countries using, or other countries would use professional players, but, you know, we wouldn't. And where there was this huge economic crisis going on, people losing their jobs, and it gets brought up in in the game, or in the, in the film, where, uh, uh, um, Jim Craig yes. is talking about how, you know, his father is, has lost his job and he's lost everything and there's a huge economic crisis, but he has the opportunity, you know, to go to a professional hockey team who will pay him. And, you know, when you're a professional athlete, even, you know, in the, in the you know, early 80s, so, you know, almost 40 years ago you're still going to make a lot more than, you know, Joe Schmo working, you know, at, at the local grocery store or in, you know, in a local factory or wherever you are. They so, actually, they <clears throat> touch base. So if, you, if you've seen the movie, you know what we're, we're talking about. And if you haven't, you know, do yourself a favor and watch it because it's actually a really well done movie. Um, it's actually been called the most accurately depicted sports movie ever uh, because it's very true to the actual story Um, but uh, during the Olympic tryouts uh, a couple of of the guys were talking and they're like hey why isn't so and so here and he's like 30,000 different reasons all sitting in his bank account and they're like oh wow he got a $30,000 signing bonus $30,000 is like this a is, per game for a scrub off the bench. Well, I'm, yeah, but this, I'm, I'm talking. This you know, is 1980. Money. No, I'm saying like today. But, you know, yeah, like, but I mean, like this is 19. So a thirty thousand dollars signing bonus back in 1980 was a, a lot. And going back to you know what you were talking about, um, Jim Craig, who was the goalie for the 1980 Olympic team, um, he had fairly recently lost his his mother uh probably within the within the few years leading up to him being on the olympic team yeah and you know his dad had just lost his job talking about you know truly a family that were down and out on on their luck and you know jim craig uh told coach her brooks that you know he's doing this he's this he's like you know my, my mom wanted this for me like my mom wanted this you know she's the one who took me you know to the practices and stuff like she wanted this for me that's why i'm here right you know like we you know we need this him and his dad you know they 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 needed this and not just so much for you know for for the money because obviously you know a a lot of these players went on to either um continue their their hockey career or chose other roots but were able to you know provide and i believe the majority of the 20 players on the team um are now like 
successful businessmen. And yeah, six, like yeah, that. you know, motivational speakers <clears throat> and stuff on the side. So, um, you know, they're 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 pretty you know well taken care of. But you know, it's one of those he he needed to provide hope for his dad. You know, and right. I think that's kind of like in a nutshell what this team was for so many people. Even you know people who didn't know these players, they just you know the Russian, the Soviet team were huge and i don't mean like you know popularity wise i mean these were stature physically guys they were quick they were stronger they were tougher they've been playing together for decades yeah they were seasoned veterans in the european hockey world and when you're trained at essentially gunpoint like you know screwing up is there is no tolerance for screw-ups and just to, to quickly touch on the, the money aspect of this again, you know, 30000 might still sound like a decent signing bonus. During the, the, the part of the film where they're, they're showing the game, uh, they brought Al Michaels, who did the original call in 1980, who still does sports commentary today. They brought him in to kind of reprise that role because he sounds exactly the same as he did, you know, at the time of the movie. And, you know, still today he sounds the same. And... He makes a remark that tickets to this uh, Olympic game between the United States and Russia was $67, and scalpers were getting three times that. So you're talking under $200 for a United States versus Russia Olympic uh, 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 ticket. You can't get a Red Sox-Yankees game, which happens 19 times a year, for $200 from a scalper. Just put that in perspective. This is something that doesn't happen all that often. And the Russians, you know, you made the point that they had won, uh, you know, six of the last seven. Mm-hmm. In 1950, from 1956 to 1988, the Russians won gold in 56, then bronze in 60 when the U.S. beat them. Gold, gold, gold. Silver in 1980 when the U.S. beat them and then beat uh, Finland. Then gold and gold again. So out of all of those, out of the nine, nine Olympics, they had seven golds, a silver, and a bronze. The United States, on the other hand, in 1970, or 1960 when they beat the Russians, they got gold. In this uh, 1980 Olympics, they got gold. In 1972, they got silver, again, losing to the Russians because the Russians got gold in 72. They didn't get any other medals in, in Olympic hockey. Like, the Olympic hockey team was not the dominant force that the U.S. basketball team was. Like, the Russians owned hockey. Like, coming into this game, they had won 42 of their last 42 games. Like, they swept through the Olympics, uh, scoring 10.2 goals a game. They won 50. They had scored 51 ga- goals in their previous five games. Now, a high-scoring hockey game is four to three. Yes, especially back then when you know you didn't have all this wide-open stuff and the guys weren't f- as fast and strong and and you know immensely skilled as they are now. Um, you know the equipment changes everything, so. For somebody to score 10 goals a game, and even, you know, the the U.S., three days before the Olympics started, the Russians came in and smoked them 10-3. to 3. Prior to that, 
the Russians beat the NHL All-Star team. Yes. Like this hand-picked team of All-Stars that said, okay, we can beat the Russian national team. Nope, Russians win 6 nothing. Like, and that, and that fact, that was the reason why the, the Russians decided that they were going to compete in the Olympics, despite the fact that there was the potential boycott of the Olympics, which, again, ended up happening in the Summer Olympics that year. But they said, no, you know what? You are, on a global scale, you are our main rival. We are going to go into your backyard, and we're going to kick the shit out of you. And we're going to make you, we're going to demoralize you. We're going to show you how Russian efficiency works and communism works when everybody is treated the same as, as opposed to your ridiculous American capitalism. And if you were writing a script, I actually had a conversation with someone earlier about uh, this very thing. And they're like, you know, I like Kurt Russell, but this this movie had too many of the stereotypical sports movie tropes and i'm like right but this is where they got it from you know the underdog team they had just gotten their ass kicked and now they're coming back to fight the same team and they have no chance there's no way that they should win but they're a plucky group of ragtag you know whatever you know maybe it's mercenaries maybe it's you know these Mm -hmm. random guys that have they're not the most talented but they got heart and they got you know i mean they know how to play together and they have a leader that knows how to bring them together. I mean, you see this in, in, in everything in, you know, the mighty ducks, you see it in little giants, you see it in every single sports movie, but angels in the outfield, right? (laughs) This is where they got it from. This is what happened. Because this this is actually like, this is real life. Um, Like I said, this is the most accurate depiction of uh, a sports moment like ever ever filmed um so i mean to the point where you know they they really did their research and they really did their homework and because you know most of the people who were involved in this 1980 team involved in putting it together making it happen the actual team members were you know still alive they were brought in as consultants on the movie to make sure that they had every single aspect you know down like packed you know they just wanted to make sure that everything was correct to you know it's amazing you know um if you're a current hockey fan watching this um to see the evolution of you know the uh the equipment yeah i would say the the equipment that they wear even the ice looks different you know, um, we our, our our boys out on the ice are a lot more padded <laughs> than they used to be, and the pads um, are smaller and more compact, allowing them to move quicker but take the impact. You know, um, there's a lot more. You know, you you as you were saying, we were watching the movie, and you know, a certain player instead of being put back in the game would have been you know taken out on concussion right. protocol. Guy gets you know? smashed in the um, head, and instead of you know coming out of the game like he should have. So it's it's interesting to, you know, watch this movie, watch older games and kind of see, you know, the evolution of of the game from, you know, from a hockey lover's standpoint. And one of the the big things that I noticed um, you know, watching it because I didn't play a lot of hockey or watch a lot of hockey when I was a kid, but I played a shit ton of NHL 95 and NHL 96 on Sega Genesis, and there were a ton of names that I recognized, like, 
you know, Varlamov. Uh, there's a goalie named Semyon Varlamov now. Uh, Fetisov. There was another uh, another name that I recognized from the late 90s, uh, mid-90s. You know, so, you know, it might just because, you know, maybe those are common names in Russia. I don't know. But it's interesting to, to hear these names and see these names and be like, wow, you know what? These guys made such an impact that now, you know, their relatives are playing in the NHL. And it's just watching this um, and seeing how the game was played. Like, this is the type of stuff that I don't think would fly now because so much of... Um, so much of sports has a corporate influence on it, uh, down to the point where, you know, if you want to go see, like, for example, if you want to go see a concert, seeing a concert at Fenway Park, which has no corporate sponsorship, like, it's not, you know, Domino's Pizza presents, you know, Fenway Park, you know, it's Fenway Park, Compared to going to see a concert at Gillette Stadium, you know, the prices for those two, and I know the artists are different, but the prices between the two of them are vast. And it's because, you know, the corporations have to get their cut of it. And, you know, as such, if you're a, 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 a corporation that is sponsoring a team, whether you're McDonald's or Coca-Cola or what have you, because McDonald's and Coca-Cola did a lot of sponsoring of the Olympics and still do. Um, you expect a specific return and there's a lot more, which is why, you know, we'll get into it, like how Herb Brooks chose his team. Uh, you would not see in today's atmosphere because it's like, hey, we're putting up the money. We want to see this player because, you know, as Nike, we endorse player X and player X has to be on the team playing for the U.S. Olympic team on this huge stage wearing our shirt, you know, or wearing our hat or wearing our headphones or our shoes. Right. Well, it was it was mentioned that, um, you know, shortly after this they started you know using nhl players and putting together you know quote unquote dream teams uh so they stopped using i mean these were players fresh out of hockey i mean not hockey yeah fresh out of hockey fresh out of college they were fresh out of college hockey players young kids with aspirations i'm sure some of them you know wanted to go on and play in the nhl um during there's this you know the whole scene where it's um they're at tryouts and you know they're like oh well why are you here why are you here and and you know it's pretty much a unanimous just wanted the opportunity to play more hockey you yeah because these some um, of these guys weren't going to the nhl like this was it for them it was usa hockey or a job and a career like right. that was it right so you know the fact that it, it gave these kids the opportunity to pursue a dream um you know which is tr- attempting to make a career out of a sport 
that they love. And unfortunately, you don't find that anymore because they, you know, they don't, they don't do that. They don't hold tryouts for Olympic teams anymore. Well, it's not only that. It's, you know, so-and-so is chosen. You know, like there have been numerous times where, you know, I feel very quarreled watching the, U- uh, watching the Olympics because, you know, yes, I'm cheering for the U.S., but half of the, you know, Canadian team are Bruins members. And, yeah. you know, I have a very difficult time, time you know, cheering again. Patrice Bergeron, you know, um, but they, they don't use these pretty much, you know, relatively unknown kids anymore. You know, it's all names that you've heard. And well, it's not only that, it's um, you look at you look at a, 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 a kid that's in college now. There are kids uh, and this happens a lot. And there's, you know, a little bit of controversy about it when it happens. And then nobody ever really talks about it again. But there are college bowl games, you know, and uh, I forget the kid's name. McCaffrey, I think, is his name. He's a running back. His dad used to play for the Broncos a while ago. Um, he played with John Elway. He is skipping the. He skips the bowl game because he doesn't want to risk injuring himself and, you know, changing where he might be drafted. He's going to get drafted either way, but like he might get drafted a couple spots lower, and that might cost him, you know, x amount of money. So you would not see today. These types of kids like, well, I'm going to go play for Olympic hockey because I have, you know, national pride. It's like, no, I'm going to skip the Olympic hockey and go play in the NHL because I want money. And I know I'm just a knee twist away from never playing again. And I'm not going to do that. Screw screw playing for the, you know, nobody knows who plays in the Olympics. Nobody knows the USA teams. They only know the guys in the NHL, the teams that they follow. So there's that lack of... uh you know, connection to your country over, um, you know, the the lure of millions of dollars. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about hockey, but I can tell you that that's how it is with basketball. And I know a lot. Why do you think Shaquille O'Neal never played in the Olympics, even though he was one of the most dominant players ever? In 2004, the 2004 Olympics, they sent over like a bunch of super popular players who were known for just taking 30 shots a game and they got blown out and didn't even medal. Like that's what happens when you have a team full of quote unquote superstars as opposed to people who want to play and have this desire and this need to be on a team. And that's what makes this story so amazing. And Herb Brooks, such a good uh, coach and the way he's able to pull you know, again, to use the the same cliched term, this ragtag group of misfits together to oppose this unstoppable force. I mean, in 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 you know the Eastern European societies, when you you know become an athlete, it's kind of how it is now. Like, okay, we're grooming you, we're grooming you. You're just going to play hockey. You're just going to play. You don't have to go work in a factory. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Ted Williams went off and fought in two different wars because, you know, it's not like baseball players were paid all that much. You know, it was a completely different societal construct between the the two times. These kids had never played together as a group. Some of them had played together. Some of them had been coached by Herb Brooks. But some of them were on opposing teams, like you said, and they hated yes, each other. Yes, there's a huge rivalry between you know Michigan and and Boston, because and they Boston joke about you know, and, and that's something them that them for the national championship. Um, 
So uh, it, it, what it boils down to is the love of the game. And that's what, you know, it, this, you know, uh, show, like the movie shows. And, you know, um, I'm completely drawing a blank because Patsy keeps interrupting and like showing me his phone. So on that note, I think it's a really good time to take a break. And when we get back, we will go get into our discussion on Herb Brooks. Sounds good. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Okay. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci. Deuce that eggs. This is Bobby Chains, Uncle Polly, from the Unchained Podcast, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. Hashtag Team Nicole. Be there or be Arthur. Now Petrov control. Back to Harlemont. Skating in on the left side. Into the American end. 55 seconds, but Mikhailov has the puck. Mikhailov skating in. Out in front. Backhander goes wide. I think Craig might have got just a piece of it. Mikhailov. Back out to Billy Legendar. 43 seconds remaining. Morrow, checked into the boards, it comes back to center ice. 38, 37 seconds left in the game. Petrov with it, the Americans on top, 4-3. To Long shot, Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds, the crowd going insane. Carlemont, shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson, 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. Big Alekhanov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Chills every time. my God. Every time. I have seen that clip hundreds of times at this point and every single time that I see it or hear it like I can't help but just get like misty eyed and just uh, I love it love it so much um, so that was Al Michaels the infamous do you believe in miracles um, just it's just amazing like I, I, I 
don't want to muddle it with any more words because it's just it's just awesome and if you ha- actually you know uh, experienced it you know for real um, unlike those of us in this room who unfortunately did not um, and you'd like to talk about it feel free to hit us up on our Facebook page send us so you know some feedback hit us up on Facebook um, you know our individual pages or Twitter. you know Twitter or whatever you know how to find us um, let us know let us know if you have the same passion for this as we do let us know how it was how it was to to watch this like live and actually live in that moment um so today we are talking about kurt russell's portrayal of herb brooks in 2004's miracle now before we get started i just kind of want to give some slight background information on herb brooks but before we do that this was nicole's first time watching this movie and i know patsy has seen it numerous times because it's one of my favorite movies and he lives with me so he's probably seen it more times than he can count at this point um i've obviously have seen it more times than i can count at this point so agent nicole what did you think i loved it i really enjoyed it um i found myself at watching it last night at like eleven thirty, like screaming at the um, computer screen just being like come on what the fuck is wrong with you like you know like as if it was like a live a hockey game um, obviously I was not alive when it happened but my dad was and he used to tell me like how like uh, the last segment we were talking about or talking about like how things were kind of going hardship in America dealing with like the Cold War because the Cold War has been gone for since the nineteen late 1940s. So he told me, like, you know, this kind of really boosts the morale of the United States. Got, you know, he told me, like, he was going through a lot, like, losing his job and, like, seeing his friends deal with it. And so just to watch this um, hockey game, like, the moment where they, you know, took, like, basically took over, like, sh- shaking up the Russians and, like, win this big game. Like, he said it was just, it was a, like you said, it's a miracle on ice. Like it was just a nice kind of boost of morale, and um, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed Kurt Russell in general. So just to see him in this really iconic, playing this iconic person was great as well. It's one of those movies where, um, and we were actually talking to a coworker about this the other day. It's one of those movies where you know the outcome because yeah. you know it's a true story. Yeah. It's all like the outcome is going to change like every time you watch it. But like you still find yourself in suspense, yeah. and you still find yourself rooting for you know rooting for the underdog, rooting yeah. for this team, even though it's like you know what's yeah. going to happen. You know that they're going to win, but you still like you know there there are are moments where you know they're in peril and things look grim and Mm -hmm. they're not playing so well and things are happening and you know you just really find yourself with this almost like sense of anxiety almost you get so wrapped up in the moment that you don't realize oh yeah it's like you have to remind yourself no they're gonna win because this really happened this is real life um so it's just it's awesome it's one of those movies that regardless of how many how many uh times you watch it it's still super captivating and And i really enjoyed that they (laughs) use actual footage in a lot of the in a lot of in the film like, I really enjoyed that, too. Just, it makes you... And, like, the way that I saw the film was, was very, like, nostalgic feeling. Like, 
the way that it was filmed. I, I just felt like I was just watching it as if it was happening in real life. Yeah, it's like you're you're ultimately you're watching a piece of history because yeah. that's what it is. It's it's now um, a part of American history. And what's crazy is, you know, these kids didn't realize that this is what was going to happen you know uh when they started this you know like they didn't realize that they were going to become american heroes yeah her brooks did not realize that he was going to become an american hero you know when he set out to coach this team you know he just he just wanted to coach these kids it was a dream of his um her brooks the actual person was born august 5th 1937 in saint paul minnesota he was a member of the 1960 Olympic team, only to become the last cut the week before the game started. Three weeks later, Brooks sat at home with his father and watched the team he almost made win gold. After, Brooks went up to the coach, Jack Riley, and said, well, you must have made the right decision. You won. Brooks died in a single car accident on August 11th, 2003. The movie, uh, Miracle, is dedicated to Brooks, stating, quote, he never saw it, he lived it. And Kurt Russell not only had the opportunity to uh, meet the real Herb Brooks mm-hmm. before shooting and stuff began, but Kurt Russell really studied his role. And I think, first of all, Choosing Kurt Russell to portray her Brooks was just Kurt Russell. I enjoy him as an actor. Mm-hmm. I think he's absolutely wonderful. I enjoy him as a person. I could watch him and Goldie Hawn like all day, <laughs> every day. Yeah. Um, so I think choosing him was just such a good, you know, casting move. And he really studied her Brooks. I, I heard that he's also a big hockey fan too. So to really be able to play someone who is an influence in hockey, not just, you know, NHL, but like the United States hockey, the Olympics hockey, you know, must have been such a privilege to and an honor to just be chosen for the role. Right. So, so yeah, it's like not only do I get to meet these people, but like I'm I'm playing you, mm-hmm. you know, so that's just so cool. And he studied her Brooks to a T like Kurt Russell is actually right handed. Mm-hmm. Her Brooks is left handed. Kurt Russell does everything in the movie left handed. Mm-hmm. Like that's how dedicated he was to this role. Um, he got all of the mannerisms correct. And, you know, I know this is so weird talking about, you know, because technically, you know, Herb Brooks is a character in a movie, but he's also a real person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, trying to, you know, not so much give Herb Brooks's life story, but focus more on Kurt Russell's, you know, portrayal of this character in the movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but, but a lot of, you know, a lot of it, like they're, they're one in the same almost. Um, watching actual live footage from, you know, the, these 1980 games and, and games later on because Herb Brooks did, you know, continue his coaching career. Um, you know, Kurt Russell just got the mannerisms down from, from the first moment, the movie started like, um, you know, the the movie opens and it's her Brooks auditioning for this role you know, as as head coach of the 1980 Olympic team. And he goes in and he has his briefcase and his. Oh, my God. OK, can we just talk about the outfits, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the suits that her Brooks wore in this movie? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like the thing is like. 
the thing that like you know you can do like a historical reenactment type thing you can do a movie based on a real uh event but without getting to work with the actual person that you're portraying um like if you ever watch the clip of you know the the end of the game that we just played that uh you can kind of s- you hear that at the end of the end of the movie as well like they switch from Al Michaels recording his his uh his lines of dialogue to it's a very subtle quick switch to the actual audio from that day you know when you are like like uh, uh Kurt Russell was able to work with her Brooke so closely like you get some insight into some things that you don't get to see like at the end of that clip everybody's celebrating on the ice and her Brooks walks down the tunnel and you have no idea what's going on you have no idea why he's leaving what's going on but in the film you get to see the continuation of that moment that everybody got to see on TV and that you can watch you know in history so it's it's interesting to be like you know, to talk to him and like answer this question. It's like this movie is, you know, this moment happened over 20 years ago. What the hell did you do when you walked away down the tunnel? <laughs> what did you do? And he's like, well, I did this. And he's like, good, because I'm going to do it in the movie and I'm going to show everybody what you did. Yeah. Like, that was a cool scene. Like, it's not integral to the plot. It's not, you know, it's nothing but showing a little bit more insight into who her Brooks really was and it's it's cool because when we start the movie um and we'll get back to that scene um in a little bit because it's a very important scene what he does in that hallway is very important and how he does it is very important um but you know the first time we are introduced to this character uh he is vying for this position as head coach of the 1980 olympic team and he goes in with guns blazing and is like you know this is how i'm going to coach the team you know, well, they're like, you know, this is going to cost us a lot of money. This is going to take a lot of time. And he's and, and, and pretty much, you know, he's very stoic and he's very, um, you know, just adamant about certain things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's 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 very confident in pretty much everything that he says. He's like, this is how I know how to do this. This is how I'm going to do this. You know, and ultimately, you know, obviously he gets the job. Um, and that is how he presents himself through the entire movie. Uh, you never see her Brooks really show any type of emotion, yeah. like uh, any type of like range of emotion. Like I was telling Patrick, there are, you know, moments where he's very stoic, but he has the kindest eyes, mm-hmm. you know, like he could tell he, he shows so much emotion without actually showing emotion. And the only person that he gets vulnerable with is his wife. Yeah. You know, because she doesn't she she doesn't put up with this shit, yeah. you know, like um, there's there is a scene. So, you know, we're going through the whole process. He gets chosen as, you know, head coach of this team. He has established uh, his team. And that's another thing, too. Um, you know, they 
have this whole like what weeks worth of events lined up um you know invited all of these players to come you know olympic u.s team tryouts and within the first 20 minutes her brooks you know his character like has his team chosen these are the 26 guys that i've chosen yeah he hands it to craig patrick who's the assistant coach he goes yeah here you go and he's like what are you doing? Like, these guys have only been here like an hour. Like, how do you already know who the team is? Like, doesn't the uh, selection committee also get a say? He's like, eh, technically, but this is a team we're going with. Yeah, and he's just very confident. Like, this is my team. He was like, look, I have done research on these kids. I, he's like, and if I haven't seen them play physically, I've spoken with their coach. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, he approaches every, everything that he says is just so confident. His voice never wavers. Yeah, he's, he's a brilliant coach, a brilliant tactician. He goes, this is how to beat the Russians. Here is my system that I have, you know, in my decades of, of hockey that I have analyzed and said, this is how you can beat the Russians. Here are the players I need in order to beat the Russians. And he says, you know, are these the best players? No, but they are the right players. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, said that he was going to take from three different hockey styles. He wanted to combine American, Canadian, and European styles of play. He wanted to have a team that was conditioned, and he wanted to have a team, pretty much put together a team that had heart. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, that's what he did. Um, But, you know, going through this whole process, you know, there are some crazy, like, just tense moments. And, you know, Kurt Russell plays those moments so well because, you know, like, like, again, just not showing emotion. He definitely does not show any emotion amongst his players. Yeah. Um, you know, his players never see him crack. However, he has ways of showing them that he cares, which, you know, ultimately, you know, they grow to, you know, those who haven't played for him, you know, grow to respect him as a coach because because of this. You know, he's not all over the place. He's very consistent with his coaching style and with his personality and, you know, it's always hockey first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he tries to, uh, you know, he's basically, and a, and a lot of New England folks should like him because he was Bill Belichick before Belichick was Belichick. You know, like, this is my system. This is how I'm going to do it. You might disagree with me. You might think that I can't do it, but mm-hmm. I'm going to show you that I can. You know, and, you know, there's a great line. There's a lot of great lines. And, you know, all of these have been attributed to Herb Brooks. But there's one line where, you know, they had just finished playing. And it's probably the best scene of the movie uh, if you discount the actual They tied game. the Norwegian national team. He's And he, he yells at them. He's like... You guys just tied the Norwegian national team. Like, they're still fully dressed in game gear. People are still walking out of the arena. Like, the game just ended. Like, they think they're heading to the locker room. You know, they so they just played a whole game. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you guys are playing like you can win on talent alone. You don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Yeah. Like, and that's the whole, whole reason behind why Brooks chose them all-star teams and he says this all-star teams lose which is why i brought up that 04 uh, olympic basketball team all-star teams lose 
because everybody thinks they can do it themselves because they do it on their individual teams in the leagues where they play or on their college teams. These guys are not the best of the best. And one of my favorite uh, aspects of this film is that they the actors that they had, they chose hockey players, like people who could play hockey over you know, well-known actors. Like, you're not going to see Brad Pitt as Michael Ruzioni and, you know, <laughs> Leo DiCaprio as Jim Craig. Like, you're not going to... They found guys who looked like their counterparts, you know, more or less, and who could play the game. So that's almost the way the team itself was chosen. The actors playing them were chosen that same way. Like, yeah, some of the actors, too, were from, like, hometowns. I think a few of them were from Massachusetts, and they picked people, mm-hmm. players that were from Massachusetts as well. So. Fun fact, the kid who played Mike Ruzioni um, actually went to Fitchburg State, and I went to Fitchburg State. Different years, different years, but that was pretty big. Um, I was actually at Fitchburg State when the movie came out, so that was that was a pretty big, a pretty cool. big deal. Um but you know it and and Kurt Russell actually called these kids like I mean he he learned their names but he actually called these kids by the names that they were portraying so you know the kid playing Mike Ruzioni he called him Rizzo you mm-hmm. know the the kid playing Jack O'Callaghan he called him OC you know on and off the ice and that's ultimately how these the, these kids started referring to themselves as well you know this kind of you know even Kurt Russell off the ice, not playing Herb Brooks, you know, was still kind of playing Herb Brooks in the sense that, you know, he was referring to them as Team USA and creating this team mentality, you know, even out of character. And I thought that was just so cool. Because that's what Brooks would would do. Exactly. That's That's exactly what Brooks would have done. You know, like the the Christmas scene where they're all sitting there (laughs) and uh, because I don't want to, I know you want to talk about, again... I know you want to talk about that, but I'm not going to say that. But they got him a uh, a nice little, and again, this is a, a nod to the time. They got him a uh, uh, they have like nice little Christmas dinner, and they gave him a present, and it's a, a bullwhip and a little name placard that you'd put on your desk, and it says Ayatollah. If you don't know what that means, look it up. There's actually a Simpsons <laughs> reference to it where they're wearing a shirt that says Ayatollah Asahola. So, um, but they're like, yeah, speech, 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 and he's like. No, I'm gonna go home now. You know, it's like yeah. like that's not who yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm not like, gonna uh, change that. I know it's gonna you know it's gonna come as a surprise, but I'm not really into giving speeches, you know, sentimental speeches, and like the guys are like laughing and stuff. But you know, he was sentimental in the fact that he wasn't sentimental, and like I had said, you know, started saying earlier, um, you know, he was like that towards the guys and he was like that towards everyone except for his wife and his he, his wife was the only one that he allowed himself to be vulnerable mm-hmm. around and I thought that was so nice to see and um, you know she she called him out on some of his his bullshit you know he never asked her permission to go do this mm-hmm. you know he just did it you know because he was chasing a dream of his and they had two kids and um, his wife is uh, played by Patricia Clarkson, who is just she just she's phenomenal in she this movie it, too. Yeah. Um, you know, but she's just, she's 
such a strong character too um you know she's like what did i say was it interesting like we never talked and she is the only one who could sass him like that oh like that's he, that's right after she's like oh i need you to pick up the kids and he's like well yeah. that's not my problem she's like excuse me whose problem is it like he's like because, we talked about this really what did i say was it interesting like that was amazing yeah because her brooks um was very unconventional with how he was coaching this hockey team. He actually started coaching the summer before, you know, right after, immediately after tryouts, you know, he started coaching and he started, you know, having practices, which was unheard of because the games weren't for, you know, months. And usually, you know, they, they would get together a couple of months before, have some practices and go out and, and, and play. And Herb Brooks, you know, he was like, no, that that's not how I run my team. Like I, I'm going to start things. So, you know, his wife, Patty, was like, you know, when are you going to, you know, we have one kid at hockey camp and another kid at dance class. Like, who, which one are you going to pick up at four? And, and you know, her Brooks, you know, was like, well, I have meetings after practices and stuff. And she's like, um, I don't think so. Which kid are you going to go pick up? Which led to the whole conversation. You know, you never asked my permission to do this. And he, you know, can keeps his stoic demeanor initially you know he's in the process of watching old hockey tapes um of you know the the soviets uh trying to you know watch certain plays and stuff to get a feel because that's what coaches i i, I think coaches still do that you know they yeah. did, most yeah. of them but this yeah. was but this was like old school they're it was watching like, legit, it on like yeah. 35 millimeter legit like film. film strips as opposed to ipads <laughs> so you know she leaves the room she goes to bed and he, you know, turns the, the film player back on only to immediately stop it and go and pretty much kind of assess the damage with his, with his wife and smooth things over. And you see, so it's, it was nice to see those vulnerable moments too, you know, um, moments completely, um, you know, kind of like a 180 from who he was on the ice as a coach, this hard ass, this, you know, you will do things my way. You will do as I say, I will not put up with any horseplay. Like we, you know, if you, if you, we're all working towards this one goal, if you are not working towards this one goal, then you need to get the hell out of here pretty much. And that's how, you know, that's how Kurt Russell uh, took on this character. So, you know, it was nice to see those moments. Uh, between her Brooks and Patty Brooks, um, Kurt Rush, Russell and Patricia Clarkson, um, you know, just to see that vulnerable side. Of yeah, him. and if you compare like how he is there with his wife to the scene where uh, what was it? Mac gets gets drilled by. Uh, Are you talking about the bruise scene? Yeah, the bruise. Yes. He gets this deep tissue bruise, and he asks, you know, Brooks asks his his, uh, team doctor, he's like, if he plays on it, will it get hurt? You know, he's like, oh, he'll be in a lot of pain, but it's It's, a bruise. Yeah, it's not going to make it any worse. So he's like, he's like, suit up. He's like, oh, but Doc said I can't do it. And he's like, all right, fine. Put your street clothes on, you candy ass. He's like, what'd you say to me? Oh, you want me to play on one leg? I'll play. And he's like screaming and yelling and jumping up and down, and like he's being restrained by his teammates. And Brooks is walking by, uh, show, still showing no emotion, just kind of like calls him out, like whatever, and like walks away. And like 
almost like out of the corner of his mouth as he walks by Craig Patrick. Think that'll get him fired up? You know, something like that. <laughs> like, think that'll get him going? And that is one of the things I loved about this character is that he didn't, you know... Um, the fact that he didn't get sentimental, he knew exactly how to rile up his players and exactly how to get his players motivated to do what he knew. He knew they could do. He saw their, even when they couldn't see their own potential, he saw it. And, you know, that scene, you know, in particular. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was one of those, he has a plan the whole time and he doesn't even let his assistant coaches in. And I'm going to kind of lead you into something at the beginning of, uh, of the, their first practice, OC goes after who? Who, who did he go after? He go, uh, McClanahan. Yeah, he went Mac. after Mac McClanahan uh, because they had uh, he he felt that McClanahan had cheap shotted him a few years earlier because he has this whole speech about you know I played hockey to win a national championship. He cheap shotted me. I'm out of the game, and you know he says he took the ring off of my finger. So now they're on the same team. You know, and they're going against each other in drills, and he levels McClanahan, absolutely levels him. So they start fighting. Guys go to break it up, and Brooks is like, nope, nope, nope. Let him go, let him go. So they finally, they finish their fight, you know, when one guy gets knocked to the ground, like, that's it. Brooks comes over and goes, is this, this the type of team you want to be? Because this doesn't look like a team to me. This looks like two monkeys trying to hump a football. And then... He's like, you know what we should do? We should, you know, we need to build a team. So why don't we start with some introductions? They ask him, who, you know, who are you? Where are you from? Who do you play for? And like, you know, like, oh, I play for, you know, Boston College. I play for this. I'm from here. And, you know, Ralph Cox goes, I'm from wherever won't get me hit, you know, and (laughs) he brings it up over and over. And that brings us to a scene later on that I started discussing, but I'm going to let Ash's take. Yeah, so we were talking um, about the scene where he makes them run drills after they tie the Norwegian national team because he knows he knows that his team is so much better than that and that his team is so much better more than the attitudes that they portrayed. See, when the guys were on the bench, they were spending more time looking at the girls up in the stands than actually focused on, you know, the the, the game at itself. And, you know, that's when Herb Brooks goes into the whole, you know, you think you can win on talent. You aren't talented enough to win on talent alone. Um, and those are all true. Like everything, a lot of, they, they call them Herbisms. And um, most of the dialogue that Herb, uh, Kurt Russell says as Herb Brooks is 100% authentic dialogue that Herb Brooks actually said. So um, they're called Herbisms um, and leads them to this drill that has been lovingly um, called Herbies. And pretty much they're like suicide drills. Uh, You know, you go from, you skate from one line to another, um, you know, back and forth, back and forth until you reach the entire like length of of the rink. And then you just continue to do that. So these kids had already played, you know, a full, you know, hockey game. um, And Herb just being completely unimpressed with, you know, the outcome, you know, leads them to do these Herbie drills and 
what happens is after each, you know, they reach each line and they go back. Uh, he has Coach Patrick blow the whistle and say again, which kind of turns into like an inside joke between all yeah. of them after, um, you know, like at Christmas. They give him a plastic whistle. They, they give whistle. him a plastic whistle and he blows it and they say again. And it's kind of funny. Um, but these, he's just he's just going and going and going and you know, the few bystanders that are left after the game are watching them like, what the hell is this coach doing? Um, at one point, Doc, who is the team doctor, uh, Doc comes out and says, Herb, what are you doing? They want to shut the lights off. Yeah, the rink manager wants to clean the ice and go home. And and Herb's <laughs> like, leave, have them leave the keys. We'll close up. I'll lock up. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Herb is just, you know, these kids are, and what I found impressive was the fact that, you know, those kids actually did all of the drills themselves. So, you know, when they're sitting there looking ragged and stuff, they were really ragged and like vomiting on and the he, ice. And he was like, you know, trying to motivate them every time. Like that one line where he says, when you pull on that jersey, you're representing yourself and your country. And the name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back. Like, that is such a good fucking line. It is so good. And the determination in Kurt Russell's voice when he delivers some of these herbisms is just, ah, oh, it's infectious. It gets, you know, you're sitting at home and you're watching this movie and you're listening to Kurt Russell speak and you're getting like inspired and riled up yourself. You're it's like, like the yeah, way a Rocky I'm montage. I'm going to go do the dishes. It's yeah, like the way a Rocky you know? montage, watching a Rocky <laughs> montage makes you want to go out and like work out. Like that's 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 what it is, and he's so good at it, and he's just over and over again. And Patrick doesn't want to blow the whistle. He's like, again, send him again, send yep, him again, again, and and you know, Coach. Patrick, they shut the lights off, and he doesn't. They're like, oh, they're getting right. They're like, oh, I guess we're gonna leave, and they go to leave. He's like, where are no, you guys nope, going? No, nope. where are you going? Get back on that line. And he's telling him, he's like, who's gonna be the first to quit? Oh, I got my money on you. You're gonna quit first. You're gonna be the first one to drop, and like. Even that's motivating. It's like, I'm not going to drop first. I'll show you. I'm going to. And they're giving it everything they got. And then all of a sudden, you hear Mike Aruzzi pipe up and say, Mike Aruzzioni, Winthrop, Massachusetts. And the place, it, it just echoes because, you know, everyone is out of the place. It's, 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 it's silent. So all you can hear is the echo of his voice. And Brooks looks at him and says, who do you play for? And he says, I play for the United States of America. And I'm just like, yes, and yes. Then, and Brooks looks yes. at him and goes, goes, all right, boys, we're done. And just like, that was it. Like, that's what he'd been trying to get them to say the whole time. Like, every time he was time trying he asked to someone, make a team. And every and time he asked them, they would be like, oh, I play for Boston University. I play for Maryland. I, you know, play I, for I, I played Dakota. for you. I played for you at, you know, University of Michigan because that's where, you know. Um, yeah. And it's like they coast, weren't. Coached. And even Patrick, when he finally, he realizes that this is what he was trying to do this whole time. Like, you guys play for the United States. You are not a BU Terrier. You are not a fucking Golden Gopher. You are. Team a United USA. States hockey yep. player, and like, and that's what got. Uh, that's really what got. Um, I think Eruzioni the captaincy. Like, I think that's what you know made it. Although, 
Yeah. I mean, in the film, like, that's what I originally thought. When I saw it, I was like, that's what, that's why he's the captain. Yeah, well, unfortunately, like I said, I had the opportunity to um, attend a... I met Mike Ruzioni. I attended a lecture um, uh, that that he um, gave at Fitchburg State when I was a student there. And wouldn't you know that my roommate at the time was from Winthrop? And wouldn't you know that her dad was a cook at a very well-known Winthrop uh, restaurant? And wouldn't you know that Mike Ruzioni liked to frequent the restaurant that her dad was a cook at and knew her dad? And wouldn't you know that she actually went to school with some of Mike Ruzioni's kids? So wouldn't you know that she knew him as Mikey and was like, oh, uh, let me introduce you to him. So I I was introduced to Mike Ruzioni and I shook his hand and I almost fainted like 20 year old 20 year old me was just like what do you know who you are Um, (laughs) yeah not the most eloquent person um, but it was just it was awesome but you know the lecture that I uh, attended was back in 2006 so a couple of years after the movie uh, came out and obviously you know he spoke about the movie um, you know and some of the the actualities of the movie and come to find out on Fortunately, that scene, that Mike Ruzioni, Winthrop, Massachusetts scene, one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie, didn't actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, wah, and, I, 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 and I remember watching it with you the first time, and I was like, that's why he's the captain. He's a leader. And she's like, yeah. But see, that here's the thing, happen. you know, and, and the way, so I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about my meeting with Mike Ruzioni and then we'll wrap this, wrap this up. Um, but two things, you know, so that part is not real, did not really happen. But if you think about it, they had almost a year of training. You know, they were together for a year. They became a family for, you know, a a year. So, you know, that's a year's worth of leadership that he showed, which ultimately, you know, led uh, Herb Brooks to name him, you know, captain, give him the captainship. Um, The movie is a little over two hours long. So they needed something to show, you know, that, you know, this character, this Mike Ruzioni character was, you know, showing leadership skills, you know, above and beyond some of his other teammates and doing things to, you know, he wasn't the best player out on the ice, but he was the one who did the most to unite the players. And that's exactly what Herb Brooks was looking for in a cap, you know, in a team captain, something that united, you Somebody who united the, the the players and um you know would bring them together and just you know showed a lot of heart and you know it's funny because um Ruzioni you know talent wise should not have been on that team and that's what everybody said like when they were right the you, opening scene there yeah the opening scene they're like ah Ruzioni you can just throw him out you know cut him cross out his he, name yeah off. he's he's not there's no make way it. he makes this team um. You know, and there are, so that was just really, you know, that, that was, it was disappointing, but it was also really cool to find out at the same time, you know, that they did take some cinematic liberties in this movie just for, you know, time restraint, you know, um, but also Mike Ruzioni, uh, obviously watched the movie and he watched Kurt Russell as her Brooks and he said that watching him 
as her Brooks was like watching her Brooks all over again. He said for those, you know, a little over two hours that he was watching the movie, he was like, it was like, I, you know, he was 20 years old being coached by her Brooks all over again. And I just thought that was so cool to, to hear. Mm. And that's just such, uh, you know, a testament to, uh, you know, Kurt Russell's dedication to this role, you know, because I, I'm sure it's, it's probably not easy portraying a real person especially a real person who you know at the time of filming was still alive you know so you want to make sure that you dot all your i's and cross all your t's you know and just being able you know hearing that you know yeah michael ruzioni you know gave kurt russell like his seal of approval you know um i just thought that was so cool there were there were two other spots where i think he really captured um the essence of Herb Brooks and like what Herb Brooks meant to this team. And it was the scene where they bring that, that kid in Hera, Hannah. Yeah. They bring in um, a kid who was, was at tryouts, did not make the team. Um, they are at like what? 21 team members right now. So they have they, 21. I, yeah, they, they have they to have, get down to 20. Right. So um, they started with 26. And you have to get down to twenty because you can only take twenty players with you to you know the, uh, have twenty players on your Olympic roster. Uh, so they two goalies, twelve forwards, and six defensemen. Yeah. So they bring in this kid who hasn't been there. He just hasn't been playing with them throughout this entire time. And but he's been tearing it up at college. Like he's ripping apart Division One. He's just he's playing above and beyond everyone else. And he even scores a goal in one of their games. Right. Uh, play, yeah, play, plays really well. Plays out of his fucking mind. Um, is, you know, with the team and a couple of the, the team members go up to uh, Herb Brooks and voice their displeasure with having this new kid in, you know, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to say? Is he going to replace one of us? And Herb Brooks, you know, it says, well, you know, he's he's playing a lot better than any of you right now. And I believe it's Rob McClanahan says, you know, well, we're a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's, you know, and, 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 and that's what Herb was trying to get out of them. You know, that's exactly what Herb Brooks wanted to hear. He wanted to hear, you know, bring in this outsider to make them band together even more. And he did a couple of, of, of really, you know, kind of crazy things uh, like that, you know, um, to kind of, you know, reignite this fire in these kids. See, I disagree with that. I think he was legitimately bringing him in because he thought that, because, you know, what does he say to Aruzioni beginning of the, you know, one of the earlier parts of tryouts? He goes, you better start putting the puck in the net or else you're going to be, you know, you're going to be gone. Like, nobody, you know, defense is great. But as we learned from Claude Julian, you can't win game 0-0. Like, you need someone that puts the puck in the net. Right. And that's what this kid was doing. So, you know, they kind of needed that shot in the arm. And it's like, you know, what McClanahan was saying is like, Listen, we've gone through this. You know, we were in these drills. We have, like, submitted ourselves to your, like, super, like, difficult. Uh... Bless, Bless you. you. Bless, Bless you. you. Oh, thank you. I was hoping to get through the sentence without that. But 
It's like, we've been submitted to your super tough conditioning. Like, and that was like one of the main things is, you know, the Russians always blew by people because they were so, so much better conditioned. And so he made them do all these drills, these agility drills, these skill drills, these conditioning drills, so they could play a full 60 minutes. And, you know, they're like, this kid hasn't gone through this same stuff that we did. He hasn't gone through these team building exercises and, you know, the intense workouts. Like, that's, you know, it's it's not fair. Like, he's not part of the family. And, like, that was great. The other awesome... Oh, what? I was going to say, can I, like... I know I haven't really spoke much through the segment, but um, I wanted to give him, like, my one of my favorite scenes. And it's probably, yeah, like, yeah. the unappreciated one. Um, it's kind of parallel to another scene earlier in the film where um, Brooks is in his, like, office. And he looks and he finds the picture of him on the 1960s team and um he was cut right before they went to olympics a week yeah. before yeah yeah and so um it parallels to a scene where he has to make that cut with cox that emotion in that room like you said like he doesn't show emotion but you can feel it and you can see it and like that was that scene, like the parallel of those two scenes, were like my favorite within the movie. That was actually the scene I was going to bring oh. up <laughs> because you know, and that ties into what we just talked about. Like, you know, uh, OC actually says, you know, to the guys, like, oh, you know, Brooksy's just screwing with us, bringing this kid in. He's like, really? You know that he was on the 1960 team and was cut, and then was sitting on his couch watching them win gold. He goes to be that close. To not make it, he goes, you really think that he's not going to do anything to win? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, that's, that's, that was a really good point. And that's why I, you know, disagreed with your assessment because I think that he would have kept that kid, you know, had his, you know, basically his, his team not said, listen, he's not like, yeah, he might be talented, but we can do this. We want to do this. We don't want some random kid coming in at the end. You, have you know done all this like you've made us who we are we don't want this kid coming in you know and like because that's what uh i think oc says he's like listen we have parents who are booking rooms and and you know buying plane tickets and stuff to go to see this and knowing that one of us is going to be gone Mm -hmm. like there's 21 of us right now you really gonna say that you can cut one of us and then another one of us to make room for this kid that hasn't been with us from the start. But I honestly think that that's something that Brooks would do based on his character, based on what we see in this film. He didn't just bring this kid in because, hey, no big deal. He watched his team and said, you know what? This is what I believe I need. And I think this kid will work in my system. And I think he will be exactly what we need to beat the Russians because he fits into my system. He fits into what I'm doing. Plus, he's more talented than what I have, but he's not going to get a, a swelled head about it. It'd be like bringing like a Patrice Bergeron type on your team where he may be the best player on your team, but you'll never know it unless you just watch him. Like, he's mm-hmm. not going to tell you. He's not going to try to take a game over himself. He's unselfish. I think that's what Brooks was thinking. So before we before we wrap things up on our... Her Brooks discussion. I want to revisit that tunnel scene. So the team had just won, and everyone is just going crazy. They're going crazy on the ice. You know, they have the 
you know, U.S. flags everywhere. Um, you know, people are, are, you know, shaking Brooks's hand and, you know, he just, he's, he's, he's trying to get away from it. He's trying to, you know, everyone's celebrating and he's just trying to walk away. And this is a, one of my favorite scenes is he gets to, you know, the, the, this, this stairway in the stands and he looks up and he sees his wife and just that, that emotion, nothing you said, um, but just the look on Kurt Russell's face, uh, m- you know, mirroring the look on Patricia Clarkson's face. I just love that. You know, that one moment, there's just so much pride. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting teary eyed. I apologize. Um, there's just so much pride and so much love and admiration. And, you know, you know, Kurt Russell is looking up at her as in like, you know, I did this because of you, because he says that in the beginning after they had their argument, he's like, I can't do this without you. It would mean nothing without you. You know, so, you know, He's looking up at her, you know, like, I did this because of you, you know, because, you know, obviously she never, like, she never stopped believing in him and in his system. And she knew that he needed to do this. So she took care of everything else, you know, for months so that he could focus, you know, on hockey and, you know, She's looking at at him as, you know, as his wife, you know, so proud of him for not only, you know, realizing his dream, but making it come true. You know, like, it's just like, that's such a cool moment. And again, you know, the only time that you really see him, you know, vulnerable is when he's with her and in response to her. And I just absolutely love that. And after those, you know, few solid, like what, 10 seconds of just them just looking at each other, uh, he makes his way into the hall and he just puts his arms up and makes a couple of fists and just go, yes, you know, and then that's it. It's just that that's the only celebration that he does. It's, Away from everybody else, no cameras, no nothing, just by himself and just goes, yes, and and that's that's it, but that's all he, you know what I mean? Like, he allows himself that moment, but that's all he needs, and then he gets himself, you know, he gets himself back together, and he goes back out, and then obviously they go on to win the gold medal, and it's just absolutely wonderful, but, you know, like, that just, that's one of the, the last, you know, the last scenes, you know, of him is is him in in the hall going, yes, and yeah. then they do kind of like a, um, a montage of of you know like the last game and the very last time you see Kurt Russell is during the um, medal ceremony where all of the kids are up on. The, well, they swarm the podium because Aruzioni gets yes, up there to take the gold medal because yes. they can't fit all twenty guys up. There. Right, <laughs> and the pride in Kurt Russell's eyes, like the way that he was able to just encapture that moment as mm-hmm. an actor. I just think it's brilliant. Um, yeah. It, it he, he just, awesome. you know, the, just the complete <laughs> sheer pride in his eyes as he's, you know, watch these kids get their, get their medals. It was just awesome. And I think I, I cannot picture anybody else playing this character 
not only did he he look like him as far as like his hair and yeah, stuff. Yeah, if you look at the picture we posted in the Facebook page, you know, you'll and like see. we said, you know, from from his um, costuming choices, um, you know, his the suits that he wore, his hair, pretty much mirrored the suits that her Brooks actually wore during that time. Oh, the eighties. Um, you know, it was just it was. It was unbelievable um, yeah. how Kurt Russell did not win awards for this. I don't know because it was such it was just such a job well done. Um, so I think on that note, unless anybody else has anything they'd like to add, I just wanted to uh, also point out to show you how the, the the character of the team and the strength of the coach. Every game that they played in, including the tie against Sweden. Uh, they came from behind. Even the game they beat Czechoslovakia seven to three, they were losing in that game. So that just goes to show you that even though they're down, you know they're a well coached team that didn't give up, and that just is a testament to how good of a coach um, Herb Brooks was. Because it's like you're a bunch of you know college kids who have no professional experience. These are all teams that have been playing together for years. You know, it's like, oh, we got down, you know, maybe we gave up a bad goal, but like we never gave up. Right. So what about you, Agent Nicole? Good movie. <laughs> Go see it. I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I know it's not your thing, but I mean, I like hockey. I've been to a few hockey games, so it's not like I'm completely dumb from it. But I mean, you know, we were um, before we started recording, we were having a discussion about the hockey hair and, <laughs> and the mustache, the, the good-looking the guys and stuff. Yeah, like so, one of them um... had the same mustache as my dad. It's like it's really weird. I was like, oh god. I like even asked my dad. I was like, is this what? He's like, oh yeah. Oh, that's what I looked like. Bad mustache, bad hair, awful clothing. And I was like, oh, nothing's changed. Yeah, but they were so cool back then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so on that note, I think we are going to take our final break. And when we get back, we're going to talk battle results. Yep. Do you love a scary story? Do you love to dance? The big scary monster haunts in midnight is a collection of dark songs about sex.
all, gentlemen. Why aren't you real? I, I know care. it didn't I still happen. Love it. I don't care. I still love it. I don't care that that didn't happen. <laughs> I still love it. This, I just, I just want to say this. If you've not seen it, like we've seen it a bunch of times, and just because you've seen it a bunch of times, it never lessens the emotional impact. I had my cat sitting with me, and like <laughs> when they scored, when Johnson scores the goal at the with like a second left in the first period against the Russians. I'm like, yeah, and I'm like pumping to my fist and my cat took off because I scared the shit out of her. Um, and That's fu- so rude. Whatever, she'll be back. <laughs> and, and fun fact, it was Mike Ruzioni who actually scored the winning goal um, against the Soviets. Yep. So That's why like if you notice like the people who get, uh, because remember there are 20 players on this team. 20. And I think about three of them get character development. <laughs> it's Aruzioni, O.C., Jim Craig, the goalie. Oh, and McClanahan. McClanahan gets a little. Johnson gets a little uh, just because they score important goals and they do important things. But, like, I defy you to name one of the other guys. Well, it's funny. It. And Ralph Cox, he gets cut. I know. And he gets a little character development. Is it? I think one of the players, his son portrays him Buzz, yeah, Buzz, 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 Buzz Schneider Buzz Schneider um, your girlfriend his, woof his son um, <laughs> Billy, like Billy, Billy, yeah. Billy Schneider portrayed him which I think is kind of cool um, so yeah see it if you want come over my house we can watch it together I'll we'll make watch popcorn. it again I don't give a damn <laughs> I'll make popcorn we can drink wine it's fun um, so right now we're going to talk some battle results so last week we threw down if you were going to have somebody build some sort of death maze mastermind death trap, who would you want to create it? Willy Wonka or uh, John Kramer, as is, also known as Jigsaw yes. from the Saw series of films. It wasn't even close. No. It was a unanimous yeah. decision. Okay, I was really I, I was kind of shocked by these results but at the same I time I close. wasn't I thought it would be close and that Wonka would win but it wasn't even close it was 100% Willy Wonka yep 100% I mean Willy like Wonka. It, it it makes I mean I chose Wonka obviously we all did yeah, yeah we, we all, all did um but I mean not to say I'm I'm a huge fan of the Saw movies and of Jigsaw I think that that whole um you know, premise is just so interesting and different and uh, unique and stuff. But I mean, I feel like Willy Wonka is the. O- I think you know we we touched based on it last week. You know, Willy Wonka is the OG jigsaw. Yeah, <laughs> I know? do. I I do want to uh, say something uh, uh, for folks who um, because we haven't addressed this yet. And I know last week I uh, I promised that El Goro was going to be on. But El Goro is in the midst of uh, apparently like some guy with an eye patch showed up to his house about the Avengers initiative. Like that's all he told me. Um, Makes sense. So I don't know what's going on with so that. So we'll see him next year on the uh, big screen. Yeah, uh, he said something about. Uh, Holy fuck! Uh, he's uh, he's Chris Hemsworth body double. But he oh refuses god. to shave. Do you think he'll give us tickets to the premiere? He might. Oh my god, that'll be one closer to Benedict Cumberbatch for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, dreams so El- can't come true. It's El Goro a miracle. was unable to uh, 
to join us for uh, this show or the the old man Logan show. But uh, you know, we uh, wish him a uh, speedy saving the universe, uh, so we can have him back at some other point. Tell Ben I said hi. Yeah, <laughs> Benny Bunch. Is that what you call him? <laughs> Benny Bunch. <laughs> Benny Boo 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 Boo. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like uh, you know, it happens. Stuff comes up. We understand. We're not gonna. You know, I'm just I'm just apologizing to everyone who was expecting to hear El Goro's you know lovely dulcet tones instead of my own. Uh, although I will not be singing this episode, so that makes it one episode in a row that I haven't sung a song. So uh, my ears. Yay! Maybe I'll maybe I'll, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll sing a song. I'll I'll make a song up for our uh, our show next week because our our next week you know I can't you know I just can't think of this character without you know singing fun songs about him because you know. Why are you looking at me like that? Like he is the actor from the movie or the character that we're going to be oh, discussing next week. Uh, does sing quite a bit. Oh, I've seen uh, somebody. He's not very good, but then again, neither am I. So actually, who am I to he is down? very good. He has uh, a Tony. A Tony. Yeah, the the boy from Oz. Yeah, and Anthony. Yes. Yes. Like if, Tony, you're, if you're not Tony familiar Danza? with him, you call him Anthony. That Hold, should be the new battle for next week. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. Who would you rather sing to you, Patsy or Hugh Jackman? Yeah, well, you guys don't have a choice. So. Huge Jackman. Jackman. So, yes, we will be uh, covering the Old Man Logan storyline. We'll be giving you a little bit of uh, background on the character X-23. Some deets. Because next week... Um, is when the Logan movie premieres next uh, next Friday, so the day after the show. So if you're not familiar with who Lo- Old Man Logan is or why Wolverine looks like shit in this movie... Um, he does not look like shit. No, comparative he's- to his other films where he's like leaping out of like tanks of water and shredding rooms full of highly trained military personnel. He looks good. Like... Now he's like, oh, I'm an old man and I'm trying he, to buy a boat for $60,000. Like, yeah, I agree. Do you know he drives a fucking limousine as a job in this movie? I found this out the other day. He drives a limo and he's he trying to buy a He could drive me anywhere. Boat. Maybe we could save our old man Logan talk for next week. <laughs> well, I didn't even say that we were covering that. Wait, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, we're, did. Covering, <laughs> we're covering the old man Logan storyline, even though like that the movie partly has something to do with it. And we're going to be talking about X-23, who is the young girl from the trailers. So those are two independent things, but it'll give you a little bit of background, maybe help you follow the movie a little bit. So... That's what we're going to do, and we are going to do something a little different for the ending of the show. Ashes, why don't you tell us what we're doing for the ending of our show today? Well, instead of doing our usual closeout, we decided that we will leave you with Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks, uh, the speech that he gives Team USA in the locker room before the Miracle on Ice happened. So we will uh, see you folks next week, and we will... See you next Thursday. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. Not this game. 
Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. <laughs>